Thank you for tuning in to the Maximum Advisor podcast. If you're a growth-minded financial advisor looking to grow and scale your practice, you're in the right place. Your host, Chip Munn, brings tips and best practices based on his experiences and has guests from financial advisors to industry experts sharing wisdom with one another because we're better together. And now, Chip Munn. Welcome to Maximum Advisor. I'm your host, Chip Munn, and I'm excited today to be talking to Barry Dedge. Barry is the Chief Operations Officer at Signature Wealth Strategies, and I'm really excited, Barry. Uh, yeah, I know that you get to hear my uh, my voice every day at work, but welcome. Thanks, Chip. I do. I get to hear your voice a lot, and uh, thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. I have been really excited to uh, talk to you about vision and kind of the importance of that and how uh, advisors can do some of that. But before we jump into uh, kind of the meat of a discussion, I think it'd be helpful for our listeners to really get an idea of your background, how you ended up working with us at Signature, but also kind of where you've been and how you got into the business. Why don't you tell us, if you would, a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I started in this business close to 20 years ago now, and I actually started with the firm that Signature partners with, Raymond James, down in the Tampa-St. Pete area. At Raymond James, I worked in various roles throughout their technology organization, really helped to build out what their advisor platform and solutions are today. I left Raymond James in 2012 and went into a true consulting role as a management consultant and ended up working with the Lloyd's insurance industry for a few years and then left there and went to work with Hilliard Lyons out of Louisville, Kentucky as their uh, EVP and Director of Operations and Technology. I left Hilliard Lyons to start my own consulting firm. I did so. And as you know, Chip, that's how our paths crossed again. And I started working a little bit with Signature and the managing partners of Signature to really help uh, put a foundation in place and put some some structure in place to what the organization's doing and to help clearly define that vision and uh, mission for the organization. As a part of what we came back with and presented as a consultant team, you and I talked about me engaging in a more formal type of a relationship and actually uh, working with you to implement some of those recommendations that were made from the consultant group and then really start to put structure in place um, and really fill that seat of a, of a chief operating officer. Well, and, you know, it's, it's funny how uh, it's important not to burn a bridge in this business. As, as big as the world is, the, uh, the world of being a financial advisor, I think, is it can be really small and, and really flat. And our paths coming back into contact is definitely an example of that. We've been very fortunate to have had an opportunity to really work through some of these things. And, and so, as you mentioned, when you came in, and one of the reasons that I, I really wanted to talk through this with you for our listeners is when we wanted to really kind of dial in where we were headed, we engaged you and the other consultants in your group at the time, and you put us through a process uh, that, that you guys termed literally term visioning. And so I was curious, why is it important for a financial advisor? A lot of us got into the business as salespeople. At least 20 years ago, this was a sales job when I originally kind of got started. Why is it that now these days having a vision is important? 
So, Chip, let's uh, a couple of things I'll touch on there. So, uh, the consultants that I was working and partnered with, um, whenever we worked and engaged with organizations, we really went through a, a process with all of them from the very beginning that we did call visioning. And what that was was to really do a deep dive with the executive leadership team, whether it be partners or, or executive members of that of those of those firms, to deep dive into the organization to understand exactly what what was going on. And, and I mean, all the way down to the operations of, of the organization, as well as the people. As you know, because you were a part of it, that was a, a two-day long event that we went through, very, very detail-oriented, and then went off and came back with some recommendations that got us to where we are today. One of the things that was very, very uh, clear from the Signature standpoint was how great of a job Signature had done in, in growth, so kind of tying it back to that sales piece, and was at a point where Signature really needed to make sure that they had a clear vision going forward to support future growth. So whether that be acquisitions or affiliates with other offices or other advisors joining into the Signature model, but really just putting that vision on paper and putting a foundation in place so that the folks who are in the Signature family could know a clear path to get to where, where the firm wanted to go, which was uh, obviously that, that long-term growth strategy. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that when I think about vision, I really think about when you look at an organization, whether it's a broker dealer or an individual practice or a firm, ultimately the vision, it drives everything. It really, from a standpoint of the services that you're going to offer and the staffing that you're going to have, how you're going to handle your time. And for me, I've always felt like that was just a was it Yogi Berra that said, if you don't know where you're going, you might end up someplace else? And I think that there's a, a lot of times it's easier to shoot an arrow and then go draw a, a bullseye around it than it is to really kind of set a direction. And I, I think, you know, from my standpoint, having a a vision of of what you want your practice to look like, of what you want your life to look like, really can be the difference in attracting the the right kind of people and and the right kind of uh, of clients it kind of pulls you pulls you forward rather than you having to kind of of trudge along yeah chip and you 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 said two key things there that came out as a part of our consulting engagement as well whenever you referenced uh, attracting the right people and, and when I say people I, I refer to advisors and and staff of signature and then clients so it was really obvious to us that you're serving two different audiences at signature you're serving the ability for advisors to be successful inside of the signature family and you're also serving clients who are ultimately associated with those advisors inside of signature and I think it's really really important to understand who you're going after as far as advisors are concerned, who you want to be a part of that family. And I refer to it as a family because of the culture and the signature in the signature organization. And then who are the target clients that are going to be a part of the, of the advisor's relationship? And I think those were two key things that we pointed out and two key things that we're driving toward as we're making progress I inside of signature. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for every advisor, I, I think we've come to a point in the industry where, you know, when 20 years ago, when my original partner and I got together, the notion of a, a team was still a relatively new concept. But now almost everybody uh, is, it seems like, on a team. And, and in my opinion, uh, it, it's probably should be that forward looking is really kind of the you know the the driver of what motivates and what people can can really latch on to and buy into now Barry in your 
experience in, in talking with, you know, really prior to say you and I working together and then some of your other consulting arrangements, what are some of the mistakes that you've seen advisors make when it comes to to vision if they, you know, whether it's, I, I guess, just as simple as not having one at all, but really for those who, who even did think about it, what are some of the mistakes that people make in trying to determine kind of what vision should look like? Yeah, um, a good question, Chip. And I'll tell you in some of the engagements that I worked on from a client standpoint, firms don't necessarily always tend to have a problem growing. It's having a problem growing right and having a problem growing and knowing exactly what needs to be done to support support that growth, which is why I go back to commending you and your partners for bringing in some consultants to help you with that. But I think a lot of advisors make a mistake of not not knowing exactly what their future looks like and who they're going to serve and how they're going to serve and what services they're going to provide to get there. The industry's obviously changed tremendously in the 20 years that I've been in it, gone from a transactional brokerage type of of an industry to more of a relationship type of an industry with different types of relationships with clients than were in place over 20 years ago. Some of the mistakes that I've seen are advisors not being clear and not having a clear path to what that looks like as well as just not knowing how they're going to offer services inside of their organization, whether it be to other advisors or to their end clients. This just caused there to be a, a mess inside of some of their organizations. You know, I talk to a, a lot of advisors who don't think they need a vision at all. You know, our business, especially over the last 10 years, we've all gotten a lot of help from the market, if we're honest. And it's easy to get complacent, especially in the world of fee-based business and and the advisory accounts that, that a lot of us use now, it's easy to get complacent. Rather than putting an aura in the water, it's easier just to, to drift along with the current. You know, in, in my conversations with them, I, I guess the way that, that I've tried to position it and look at it is, you know, drifting along in the current is, is fine as long as you're comfortable with going wherever the current goes. It's a big deal to get away from that complacency, to develop an intentional kind of sense of urgency for where it is that you actually want to be. Well, and also thinking through, you know, the market has been kind to all of us over the past 10 years or so, but one market, you know, we could be one market correction away from there having to need to be a real plan in place for what that's going to look like for your organization continuing to be successful. And I think that's a part of what ties into who are we, what are we doing, how are we going to do it, and then how are we going to be successful? And and knowing that while the market has been kind, that there could be some uh, a bumpy road ahead if if certain things take place. So, Barry, when you're working with uh, practice to set out a vision, what kinds of things should be included? I mean, is this uh, the typical kind of AUM and revenue or what sorts of things are included from your standpoint in a vision, whether it's a vision statement? I think sometimes the, the fluffiness of some of the corporate world can, at least for some of the folks that I talk to, can be kind of a turnoff of wanting some sort of formalized kind of fluffy sounding vision and, and mission statement. But when we really get down to the to the brass tacks of it, what are the kinds of things that should really be part of a, a practice's vision? Chip, I don't necessarily think that, you know, anybody can have a statement. Anyone can create a string of 10 words together that says who you think you are, who you want to be, whether it be for advisors or for clients. And I really think that that's the wrong way to go about it. If you go back to the way that we worked with you from a consulting standpoint, we really picked out of you and drew out exactly what you wanted to be, how you wanted to get there, what was going to be a part of that, what was going to make you unique and differentiate you from others inside of your space, why would it 
advisor want to come and do business with Signature? Why would a client want to come and do business with Signature? to build out really what we were calling the vision of the firm. That can include anything from recruiting targets, revenue targets, client targets, whether you want many clients or a few ultra high net worth clients. All of that goes into really building out what a vision is and what a mission is, as opposed to just putting a string of words together and saying, this is our statement. I can also say that looking at it from the outside and having worked with Signature, on the consulting engagement prior to joining the firm more formally, I can commend the process that we went through to get to that point and the commitment that was made. So there's also the commitment component from the people inside of the organization to say, you know what, we're going to work together. We're going to be a cohesive group. We're going to march to the same drum and this is how we're going to get there. And I think if firms don't do that and they don't have that type of a leadership structure in place, the the growth's not going to be what it could be. And ultimately, the people who I think are your best asset inside of your organization don't fully know how they fit into that long-term picture. One of the coolest things for me is we, we have an affiliated group that is, you know, going through the process yourself is one thing, but watching another group, uh, and I can't imagine what it would be like being a consulting and, uh, or a consultant and seeing the light come on. But for, for me, watching another group go through and, and find their, their voice and, and find their identity and what it is that they want to be and who they want to serve. It's a really cool and gratifying process. I'll say one thing there, Chip. You know, I saw the light. I I was sitting there whenever I saw the light start coming on for you in particular, whenever we were going through this engagement. So that is very rewarding to actually see folks that you're working with really start to step back and say, wow, okay, I get it. Now I can, I, I really now know who it is that we are and what we want to be. And we can talk in a little bit about the two different models of Signature, but, you know, putting clarity around what what advisors are and how they do business with Signature, I think was a good thing for you and your partner team to be able to get your head wrapped around and know exactly what that looks like. And, and like I said, I really, I sat there and could see the light starting to come on as, as we were going through those conversations. Well, and a lot of the folks who are listening are, are going to be either leaders or future leaders. And they are in a place probably where, at least as it pertains to, to this subject, my hope is that, that as we're talking, they begin to, to think through kind of what some of their vision is. But in that, what is the role of the leader in that? And more specifically, is it okay for a leader or a group of leaders to really include some of their personal goals, some of the things that are important to them, not just in the business, but if the notion for all of us is to build a business that serves us, not just that we're serving, how much of that is okay? What What are your thoughts on, I mean, how does that work? Well, I think, uh, you know, from a leadership team standpoint, and and this is one of the things that we put in place in Signature as a part of me joining the firm, is uh, really having someone sitting at the top of that firm who's, I hate to say driving the bus, but the person who is the the visionary for the firm and the person who is going to really be that, that sit at the head, be the spokesperson, be the one to get the team rallied up and moving and get the team built and working together well. I think the structure we've put in place at Signature is a very good one, having a CEO sitting at the top of the organization with a senior management team reporting up to that individual and really holding each other accountable for what our, our, not only our personal goals, but what the firm goals are as well. And let's be real, everyone's going to have somewhat of a personal goal and have somewhat of, of a personal investment in their job. I mean, we do it 40 plus hours a week. Of course, we're going to have some sort of personal gain out of it, our, our desire to have personal gain out of it. 
But doing that as a part of a team and working together and understanding how that's going to benefit you, how that's going to benefit your team, and how that's going to ultimately benefit the growth of the firm so that you can serve those advisors and serve those clients better, I think is the real way forward there. And just really having that that sort of cohesive approach. Well, and for me, I, I know that just selfishly, my wife and I have four boys and it's important to me to be mindful of the fact that a part of the vision for me has always been, you know, my oldest son was born back in the days that I started, we still did cold calling and he came with me literally in a a car carrier while I, I would go and disturb people during dinner. It was really that was rough. It's a rough start. I'm glad that that's not something that, that a lot of people still have to do, but it has always been part of my personal vision to build something that one day I would want it to be the kind of place that I would want him to be able or, or any of our boys to be able to work. And I think that, you know, for me, it has always, if I'm being honest, a portion of the business planning or my role in the business has always been with one eye on the fact that yeah, I have a family. I'm a dad. I, I wanted to be able to coach little league ball. I want my wife and I to be able to to go on vacation. And so it's always been uh, a component for me, I think, is, is as leaders. Again, I, I have partners. And so it's certainly not just me and, and being part of a team and setting up a structure that Part of that vision was to never have to do it alone, not to be out there on an island in a place where I couldn't fulfill not only my business vision, but uh, my personal vision as well was really important to me. And I think you you touch on something there that I think, um, you know, we've talked about vision a little bit, but I think we could talk a little bit about culture and what that looks like the type of culture that you want your firm to be and how, how you want the people inside of your organization to feel as they come and, and work every day. And I think you hit the nail on the head by saying, I've referred to it a few times as well throughout this, this interview and this conversation, is family. And I do feel like Signature is a family. And so Signature has built a group of people who work well together and treat each other with a tremendous amount of respect. I know I have, and I believe you probably have as well, worked in what I call toxic environments before where you just really, you don't enjoy going into work because there's, for, for a number of reasons, and I would say culture is one of those that really hits, hits home with people. People want to have their families, they want to do their things outside of work, and they want to be rewarded that way throughout their, their relationship with their, with their employers and with the firms that they're doing business with. Yes, and, and I know that for me, when, when we were looking for a partner three years ago when we were looking for uh, a broker dealer relationship. You know, one of the biggest things for us when we decided who to partner with was culture. It, it was when we went on our home office visit, and this is by no means uh, a commercial for either Signature or Raymond James, but you felt like it was home. And I have to imagine that someone on the leadership team of Raymond James intentionally wanted develop to develop the culture that they have and and so for us it's been important to continue that but we've I've changed firms twice in my career and in both cases what what I was really looking for and I, I think we really all we're just built to be in community and I think ultimately that culture component is important not only in having chosen who to partner with then also is something you have to be really intentional about building in your own 
practice, even if it's just an advisor and an assistant or uh, a small team, regardless, you have a lot of influence on what your culture is going to be. And and I think that, again, it's another area where if we're not intentional, we run the risk of somebody else setting our priorities and we end up with something that we didn't intend to have. And working in a place, I can't imagine how bad it would be to work in a place where you're unhappy and you're the one who built it. And so being intentional about that, I think, is something that requires a lot of focus. I can also say, you know, whenever I, you, you and I worked together at Hilliard and, and luckily didn't burn any bridges there. So that's why we, where we, why we're where we are today. But I can say whenever I learned that you were leaving Hilliard and joining Raymond James, that it wasn't a surprise to me that Raymond James was who you picked. And again, like you said, this isn't a, 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 a run for Raymond James or for Signature, but it's just knowing you and how you like to run a business and knowing Raymond James's culture. You know, Raymond James has a work, work, play culture inside of their corporate headquarters, as well as treating everyone with what they call a service first attitude. And I think that probably came across very clear to you whenever you started sitting down and talking about what your future was going to look like for your organization. I'll also say that I think a tremendous amount of advisors are looking at at this right now. I I don't think the industry is going to even look the way it does now 10 years from now, as far as you start looking at how advisors have relationships with firms. I think the traditional broker dealer model is probably going to look different and advisors are not not going to want to have that type of relationship. They want to build a business. They want to build independence. They want to build what what some refer to as an event for the future, whether that be a liquidation event or whether that be some sort of event to pass on to your family. And I know you and I have had conversations in the past as well about partners inside of your organization and what it would look like for their potential family members to, to be a part of Signature and maybe even take it to different levels in the future. So I think all of those coupled together, the culture, the way advisors do business, I, I, I think is a lot of where the, where the industry is headed and what makes or an organization and makes firms successful. Barry, I got to be honest with you. I was not aware of the work, work, play kind of philosophy. I just knew that they sounded kind of like me and we visit a lot of folks and there aren't necessarily a lot of home offices that where, where the folks in the home office sound a whole lot like like we do, uh, we we have a little bit different accent than a lot of folks. So um, <laughs> I was I was just happy that they could understand me. So we've talked a little bit about um, kind of mistakes that advisors can make. How is it that they can get it right? What what are some of the things that advisors can do to get themselves and keep themselves? Because I think vision is a lot like it's a little bit like the horizon. You, know, you start walking. And at least for me, you you never get there. You, you know, it's a point in the future that you're walking towards. What is it that they can that an advisor can do to to get it right in the beginning and to keep it uh, headed in the right direction, a direction that they want to? What What are some of the things that they could do? I think Chip, just really sitting sitting down and understanding who who you are and what you want to be. That's easier said than done. I think you know. When you're starting a business, you want you want growth. Obviously, you want growth to be there so that you can afford to put the structure and put the people in place to continue to help you grow. And that's a lot of what the signature story was. And you got to a point where you could do that, and you were able to bring people in, and a foundation is in place. But I think advisors are, are business owners or people who want to really start a business and grow a business need to sit down and define who they are, define who they want to work with. I think that we're doing a pretty good job of that at Signature now of saying. Here's the advisor we want to do business with. 
This is the advisor that's going to work well with us. And here are their options for being able to do business with us and not just accepting anyone who wants to walk in the door and, and hang their hat with signature. If they don't fit into the culture, if they don't fit into the family oriented culture and don't really see the same, the same vision in future, it's, it's not going to work out. It's not going to be successful for anyone. Taking the time to invest in and defining all of that and knowing who you are and knowing who you want to do business with and living up to it and not having a problem saying, you know what, this potential recruit came to talk to us. It's not going to work for either side. And let's know that and not just bring people into the organization. And and I say this for us, and I also say it for, for others out there who are starting this type of a, of a business or starting this type of a practice. I think taking the time to, to clearly define that is going to be critical to the success of the organizations. And we're going to have some episodes where we talk about marketing and positioning of the practice and, and those kinds of things. But I also think that a big part of that is uh, you mentioned it as, you know, for our organization, who the right maybe kind of of partner advisors are, but it, it's equally true uh, and perhaps more important to be really clear on who it is that you want to serve and what an ideal client looks like and, and what it is that you want to be able to provide them. And I think that it is incredibly important to really spend some time on on that. And what I have found is that the more of that advisors do, the easier it is. The more clear the overall vision is, the more clear every decision is. It makes it so much easier when you know where you're headed. Every decision you make, make it gets you either closer to or farther away from. Yeah, you know, if you, every time you make a decision, you're changing direction. You're either moving forward or backwards. In a lot of cases, it, it's 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 very important to make sure that that's something that that you pay a lot of attention to. And for me, I don't, I don't know about for you, Barry. One of the things that's been important for me in in developing a vision or, or really understanding kind of how to is having coaches and role models. I, I've had both. And so I don't know if you had any of those, but it's been my experience that working with, uh, again, in our case, having you come in as a consultant, really kind of leveraging the experience of other people can really help work through some of the exercises towards getting you there. Absolutely. And, and I'll just I'll make two comments there. You're absolutely right about knowing who your ideal client is. And I've seen you refer to it before as knowing your avatar. And I kind of like that slogan is, is know, know who's going to fit into the services that you offer. You know, we're talking about different types of services, which I know we'll probably get, get on a, a podcast in the future and, and discuss. But know what those services are and know who you're going to offer them to and know what your ideal client's going to going to look like. I've seen situations in the past where advisors had relationships with clients that, that just they were they were there, but it didn't work. And, and someone needed to make a decision. We need to go our go our separate ways. So I'll say you're absolutely right by saying and, un- and understanding who that who that ideal client is, who you want to serve and how you can serve them best inside of the communities that you're in. And I, th- I think you can, over time, you really know who it is that you work well with and who works well with you. I think it's a little bit of the birds of the feather, uh, you know, flock together and, and you can really start to see over time, any advisor's client base looks an awful lot. I've worked with a lot of advisors and most of the time, if you meet and talk to their average client, they're an awful lot like the advisor is. And, and so a lot of my clients, my favorite clients are entrepreneurs and, and it's because I understand them and they understand me. 
and for my part of our business, that's a big focus because I enjoy it. And, and I think that that building a business that can help you uh, serve this, this build around your unique ability with kinds of clients that you like is, you know, is paramount. I think it's of utmost importance. I'll also say you mentioned a few minutes ago about executive coaches, and, and that leads me to a point I'll mention around know what you don't know and don't be afraid to admit it. I've been in this industry quite some time and I still learn things every day. I appreciate whenever I'm educated or told or given constructive criticism on things. And I think that that's helped me get to, to where I am and to be to be in the position that I'm in in my career. And I think advisors and business owners and people who are starting organizations have to do the same thing is be okay with being uncomfortable. And I think whenever we came in as consultants, one of the first things we said to all of you is, you're going to have to get comfortable being uncomfortable for a little while. And and that means, and it's exactly what it means, is being able to recognize wh- where you have opportunities for improvement and realizing that not everyone's going to know everything. And I think that that's really important and really helps as you start to build out leadership teams and senior management groups is know what you bring to the table and know where you can have opportunities to learn from others. And I think that's really important in, in any role that you're in, but especially whenever you're in a leadership role and are starting starting a business or, or starting a firm. When you've been in a position where you don't know a whole lot for a long time, you get used to it. I can say you get used to it. And and honestly, uh, you know, one of the things that I have been most pleased with or, or one of the things that really has helped me over my career now is the ability, you know, early on when my partner Scott Mitchell and I got together, we made a decision. Yeah, you know, I was I was a former school teacher. I, you know, I got into business because my family had lost a family farm, and after I decided I didn't want to teach, it was a natural progression to say, you know what, that, that thing that happened to my dad uh, because of my granddad's poor planning really won't other people not to have to deal with or, or live through that. And so I had an interest in planning. And so when you know, I got in the business as an individual advisor and when you're 22 years old, like like when I started, you know, you really quickly run through all your friends and family and you looked around if you were me and you said, gosh, there aren't a whole lot of I mean, other than that cold call and my son and I were doing, <laughs> you know, there aren't a whole there aren't a whole lot of other people who are looking to give their money to a 22 year old. And so I was fortunate enough to to convince my partner, Scott, and his, his dad, Bob, to to partner with me and for us to be a team and the greatest thing that's ever happened, probably, you know, that was probably my best sales job was convincing uh, Scott's dad, Bob, to uh, work with a 22 year old former, you know, sixth grade teacher. But from the moment I let go of the fact that, you know, our deal was I would do the planning and they would handle the investments. That was their, that was their thing. And the moment that I let go of needing to be the investment guy and I could say to somebody, including my own father, you know what? I don't pick the investments. That's something that Scott does. That's something that Bob does. And from that moment on, being able to admit what I found was that the clients didn't care. And so by being willing to be humble and be honest that that's just not my part of the business yeah, I got I got free from that. So definitely knowing what you don't know and, and being being cool with that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Be willing to learn. And I can say that I think, you know, you in particular do a great job 
of uh, bringing in experts in certain areas whenever it's necessary. And so, you know, I think that's also something that's learned over time and through experience. And again, just being willing to accept it and, and working closely together. Well, I'm, I'm a big believer that we're better together. And, and I think that it is uh, imperative these days that, that we all, again, find a community. Uh, I hope for our listeners, Maximum Advisor will be one of their communities. And, you know, it, it's important to group up in one way or another with other people and to find like-minded folks that you can share ideas with and really sometimes share your struggles and, and bounce ideas and, and things off of each other. I think it's it's the way we're wired. And I think that it really can propel everybody forward. Uh, now, Barry, as we wrap up, this is an action-oriented podcast. So the folks who are listening, that we don't our listeners are, are doers. And so we've talked a lot about great things around vision. What's one thing, if an advisor can only do one thing today to, to move forward in either creating or improving or refining their vision, what's one thing that they could do today to make their business better? I would say, Chip, just invest the, invest the time. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be bringing in a consultant group if it's not something that fits for the, for the firm or for the model. But invest the time to sit down with yourself and your partners and clearly articulate exactly where it is that you want to go as an organization, how you want to get there, and who you feel like your ideal people are to help you along that path as far as advisors and clients are. And I would say, you know, they always say that someone's time is the most important thing that they can give you that's theirs personally. And I would say just invest that time and invest that that team building together with your group, whether you're alone and need to do it or do it with your group, but to get to that end point. Well, Barry, I, I think that you're 100% right. Your time is the most valuable thing that, that somebody could give you is their time. And so I, I want to thank you for giving us your time today. For our listeners, I want to thank you for giving your time to my, us at Maximum Advisor. And uh, we look forward to coming back at you again real soon. Barry, thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks, Chip. Thanks for having me. To download what we believe is the single most important marketing, selling, and positioning tool for your practice, go to MaximumAdvisor.com scorecard now. Subscribe to this show anywhere you listen to podcasts or at MaximumAdvisor.com.